This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 165. Today on our show, Catherine Lawrence from Cincy in a Box. No, I wouldn't say I knew I I knew a lot about it. I definitely had to experiment and learn through other Cincinnatians, as well as just kind of going out and searching, actively searching for things that are made in Cincinnati, and then kind of trying to figure out how loyal people are to that brand. The best Cincinnati gift baskets come in a box, they like to say. The company was founded by husband and wife team Sean and Catherine Lawrence, neither of which is from Cincinnati, but who fell in love with the city. Catherine tells us about where her and her husband come from. Uh, they both come from separate places, uh, actually. How they started the company, uh, living in Bermuda, her first days of Cincinnati chili, and more. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Catherine Lawrence from Cincy in a Box. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. Once in a while, I'm at com in Cincinnati. So I guess uh, the, the place we usually start is uh, by asking our guests their Cincinnati bona fides. So I will ask you, I would assume you are from Cincinnati originally or not? Uh, you'd be wrong to assume that, actually. Aha. I am not from Cincinnati. Okay. <laughs> I am from Northwest Ohio. Oh, okay. I. I grew up in a little farm town of about 900 people, actually, and I lived on a farm outside of the town, so. Okay. Well, I'm not from Cincinnati either, so uh, you're in good company. Let me guess the, let me guess the town. White House. Okay. No. Uh, Tontogany. <laughs> nope. Signet. Nope. Is that my close? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never heard of any of those towns. Oh, really? So oh, they're, need- they're around Bowling Green. That's why I, I know those. Oh, okay. You you need to go a little bit south okay. and close, closer to the Indiana border. Okay. The town I went to school in was called Audeville. Oh, no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of the bigger towns around there, if you want to call them bigger, were Delphus and yes. Van Wert. Yeah. So, uh, it, uh, Dwayne Pullman off of Channel 12 is from Delphus, famously. Is he? Yeah. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, well, we both went, we're trying to get him on the show. Uh, he was going to be on, and then I he, I haven't heard back from him in a while. I assume he's a very busy man investigating all those important stories. But um, yeah, <laughs> we were at the radio station together. He was a year or two ahead of me, and he's from Delphus. And I know one other guy from Delphus, and I can't remember his name. He worked at the radio station, too. So I know kind of the towns around there. New Baltimore is another one I know. And uh <laughs> And apparently Signet, I discovered, was a big oil boom town, like in the, I don't know, 19-teens, 20s. It was it had like 50,000 people. It was massive. And just as fast okay. as it became a big town, the oil dried up and so did the rest of the town. So you go from from your from the small farm town 
off to college? Do you go to college in Cincinnati or do you arrive here later? What's, what's the trajectory there? I went to the University of Dayton. Okay. And I spent five years there. I still wouldn't have end up, ended up in Cincinnati if it hadn't been for meeting my husband. Aha. Uh-huh. He is not from Cincinnati either, though. He's from Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. We met in a summer job, and he went to Penn State, and he graduated before I did and decided he wanted to move closer to where I lived and found a job in Cincinnati and then moved to Cincinnati to be close to Dayton. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Yeah. And how did you like Dayton? I loved Dayton. I love Dayton I too. That's the thing. People think I'm, I'm pulling their leg when I say that, but I love. And going back to Bowling Green, a lot of like my friends from college were all from Dayton, and I thought, wow, Dayton must be a really nice place because I love all these people, and they're all from Dayton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the university is great too, and it's a yeah, it's a great town, a great city, a great university. I I have no complaints about Dayton. It's a really pretty campus too. I haven't, I never really uh, saw it up close until we were up there shopping one day. And we decided to take a different route from uh, our usual shopping trail that we went. We went up through um, uh, what's the, Kettering, and went straight north up right through the university because oh, we want my daughter wanted to go to one of the record stores downtown. So the fastest way was just to keep going up Far Hills right through the heart of the university, and uh, so we got to kind of see the campus and. And uh, we we're like, wow, you know, Liza, if we had more money, you might want to go to this school. <laughs> very, very it is pricey. very expensive. Very, very pricey, has, yeah, yeah. It has gotten nicer. They definitely use that money well. The they Every time I travel back to Dayton, um, usually for like basketball games and tour the campus a little bit, it just, it gets nicer and prettier and and they expand it, and they they do a lot with the money they're taking in. Well, that's but good. it is very expensive. <laughs> well, it's good here they're putting that, that money to good use. So, what did you study at Dayton? I was in the business school. I got an accounting and economics degree, and then I stayed another year and got a master's in business. Uh, okay, and what, so what did your what was your husband? What would, what did he major in? Like, what was his career work, and when he wound up in Cincinnati? He was in management information systems, so he's always been in the IT world. Aha. So mm-hmm. is, being from Erie, I would ask then, is he, and now that you, and you spent some time in Dayton, is he a Browns fan or is he a Steelers fan or did he become a Bengals fan? He, yeah, he transplanted into Bengals. Oh, okay. He always tells the story that he, his, his, family did not have a, a a football team that they followed. His grandfather followed the Bills actually. That oh, makes sense, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was he never really got into it and when he came to Cincinnati, he really got behind the Bengals which I grew up uh my family was a, was Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals fans. And so I tried to explain to him the risk he was taking huh. doing that. <laughs> he is a big fan of the Bengals and the Reds. So. It's interesting because when I was in college in Bowling Green, I noticed a lot of my friends from uh, Northwest Ohio, they were uh, baseball, they were Detroit fans because Toledo, for a lot of years, uh, Toledo's minor league team was the Tigers farm team. And the Tigers were pretty good in the 80s and, and 
in the 70s. And, uh, and the Indians were terrible. And, and vice versa, the, they were Browns fans because the Browns were pretty good in the 70s and 80s. And the Lions were, were terrible. So yeah. I, it's interesting to know that someone from Northwest Ohio was uh, indeed a, a Cincinnati fan. Both uh, Well, baseball wasn't probably too difficult, but, uh, but for football as well. And a lot of Cleveland fans in Dayton. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't notice that, actually. Well, the reason is, is because before there was uh, the Bengals, the entire state rooted for the Browns. And I guess mm-hmm. when Cincinnati got a team, it wasn't close enough to Dayton for people to kind of sever those alliances. And so that the love of the Browns got handed down generations. So you still find a lot of, in fact, one of the radio stations up there still carries Browns games. That's interesting. I always assumed that my family followed Cincinnati teams because they like my father and my and my mother went to the University of Dayton as well and oh, I okay. figured that's where they picked it up but Makes all sense. of my dad's brothers and every every they're all Cincinnati loyal so I'm not hmm. sure where they picked that up I don't know well the the two teams are closely related of course because uh Paul Brown got fired from the Browns and then eventually wound up starting the Bengals it's got they're kind of cousins as it were. And, uh, and growing up in Cleveland, I never really hated the Bengals, but they were in our division, so I had to root against them. It's uh, the Steelers we all hate, and I think that carries through to this day. So <laughs> we're all on the same page there. So when did you guys uh, come up with the idea to do Cincy in a Box? Because I know um, you've been around for years and years, uh, and you have a competitor. But whenever I think of sending gifts to somebody, from, I think of you guys, because I think we used you guys one time, and then it just kind of stuck. We sent some, some stuff to my dad, who's never been to Cincinnati in his life except to visit us, <laughs> but, lo- but loves the food. He loves all the food here. So there was a point in our lives where we lived in Bermuda um, for four years. Oh, we, and well, how'd you end up there? It was... It was completely on a whim. I was, so this was post-college. I was working in an accounting firm in Cincinnati and it is a very strange connection, but I was playing on like the corporate softball team and there was, it was a co-ed team and someone on my team I had never met before. And I kind of said to him, you know, who are you and what do you do? Basically, like, where do where did you come from? And he said, well, I work in the Cincinnati office, but I've been in Bermuda for the last two years. That's why we've never met. And I kind of came home from that softball game. I said to my husband, "Like, I guess you can just go there if you want to. You can just work in Bermuda. And we both kind of were like, okay, let's do that then. So I just kind of put in with the firm that the idea that I wanted to move there, he found a job. Uh, separately from that. And we did it. And so we kind of were going to stay there a year and a half. And we ended up staying there four years. We kind of always joked we needed to be kicked off the island by that point. (laughs) But they, while we were there, we would have a lot of visitors and everyone was always asking what they could bring us. And we were always saying, well, we would like some Montgomery and barbecue sauce. We'd like some Skyline. That was always a thing for us. And so when we got back and we had lived here for a while, my husband was very interested in trying to start a business. And he kind of followed some other companies that in other cities that do similar things. 
and kind of thought we talked about it and, and thought there might be a market for it in Cincinnati because Cincinnati people are pretty loyal to Cincinnati and they have their favorites. And so we just went, we just went with it from that point. So going back to Bermuda, so when you guys go there, is it kind of like house hunters where you have to find a place to to rent or did you buy a place or how did you find lodging or did the company help you find lodging? I'm so curious about this. <laughs> the first, the the initial month that we were there between our two companies, they provided lodging while you looked for a place to live, but you were pretty much on your own with the companies we were with. Some of the companies will help you a little bit more, but they have similar resources you can use as we have in the US where you're you're searching through apartments online or you're meeting with realtors and you just you just got to kind of find something and then the first place that we lived in was just in someone's house it was a portion that they had purposefully made into apartments so they could run out which a lot of Bermudians do so we lived there for like a year and then we found something else that we liked a little better, but it was the same idea, the Bermudian landlords. And I guess in that second house, we weren't living like with the landlord, but, but it's pretty common too. Was it a big adjustment yeah. uh, moving to Bermuda? Like would you like, or was it like you thought it would be? I guess we, it's a very whimsical time to think about because I think, if I were going to move to a, a foreign country now, I would probably want to see it first before I, before I went. Oh, you didn't even see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had never been there. We had never really even explored it as an idea to visit before moving there. Huh. So, but it was, yes, it's everything. Living on an island was everything we imagined it would be. Every Being so far away from family and obligations you just you can't do all those small things that busy up a normal weekend and so every weekend is pretty much like an island vacation you're free to do whatever whatever you like bum around the beaches at we eventually bought a a boat a like fishing boat um which we would also take out for pleasure and so we spent a lot of time on the beach playing volleyball or boating and it really was. It really was what you would kind of imagine. It was. It was pretty magical. It's wow. pretty, pretty fun time of our life. And they drive on the other side of the road, right? Since they're a yeah, form, okay. that's correct. Yeah, is that uh, getting used to? Definitely, but they do drive a lot slower. This the island is tiny, and the speed limit is uh, thirty-five kilometers per hour, so it's pretty slow. And we initially didn't have a car we drove mopeds i don't know if that that kind of helped reference your mind a little bit because you weren't in the same type of vehicle but i did there were plenty of times where i had to wait for a car or a moped to come to follow because i wasn't confident which which oh, I I oh yeah do. that would that probably would be pretty helpful yeah i would find that i don't think i could ever get used to that uh, yeah, and of course, as the older I get, they get more in, entrenched in you know driving on the uh, right side of the road as opposed to the left side. So you said you you kept saying you needed to be kicked off the island. What finally did you guys just miss home, or you you finally had enough of the? Because my brother, when he was in the navy, was stationed uh, luckily on Oahu, 
in Hawaii. And we were went and, we went and visited him, and he was like, you know, it, I do like it here a lot, and I would like to come back because, but there are limitations. It's like you just can't drive someplace else. You really can't even drive one of the other going to one of the other islands is kind of a pain in the butt. So did you kind of get bored with just being in that little small space? That was one of the factors. You definitely get. We called it island fever, where you could not no longer stay on the island. You needed to go off the island for a vacation or a trip because it is so that Bermuda is 21 miles long and two miles wide wide. So that's, it's very tiny and you, you do the same things and see the same things over and over. And so, yeah, you feel very confined, but primarily I had, I would, I got pregnant with my first child and I was working at a different company than the one I went down with. And there were going to be some changes, different travel requirements. And I just, I think it all got to me. Like I want to have my child closer to my parents. I want to be able to access things easily. And I wasn't prepared to like think about all the changes that were going to be happening with, with my work and so we kind of just thought there's a lot of science here. Maybe we should move back. <laughs> and and that's what finally got us to leave. But it hasn't, that doesn't mean it hasn't crossed our mind more than once. Let's move back. You know, so every time the winter gets long and cold, <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> we yeah. start talking about it. It's funny you say that because our my wife and I, we're pretty much set on retiring to Florida. Uh, like you're supposed, like Jerry Seinfeld said, that's the law. That's what you're supposed to do. But um, <laughs> we went to Colorado last year or two years ago, and my wife really loved it. And the day we were leaving, though, a snowstorm hit, and it took us two hours to get to the airport. And we gave ourselves plenty of time, so we weren't scared we weren't going to make it because we knew we were going to get weather. But and she's like, "Oh, well, I'm living in the mountains." I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we have this we have crappy weather like this at home i don't i, yeah. I don't ever want to shovel yeah. especially this past february we were the snowiest february ever i was like no i don't want to do this anymore um yeah. so was it a no-brainer coming back to cincinnati though or did you think well geez we're coming back to the united states maybe we should try out you know someplace else maybe maybe a florida a san diego or a carolinas at the time we didn't consider anything else it was an easy transition back for us we owned a house in Pleasant Ridge. And when we moved to Bermuda, we rented it out oh, okay. uh, to our, to my cousin and his wife. And so it was easy for us to move back and, and say, you know, we'll be here until we're ready to, to decide on something else. So I think we were kind of, it, the decision happened kind of quickly. And so Cincinnati was an easy place for us to come back to. And then getting back to the development of Cincy in a box, when you decided this was going to be the business, how did you start deciding what was going to be in the the, the actual package or what you were going to make available uh, to folks? Did you like you know, uh, ask other Cincinnatians or did you have a pretty good feel already for what stuff should be in there? We did and we didn't. We've been through some things that we've tried to offer that just people just aren't as loyal to. We definitely knew the big brands that are Cincinnati, you know, true, tried and true Cincinnati favorites. Um, a lot of people, when they think of Cincinnati, that they default to. So we had those type of items, and they're still to this day our, our biggest sellers. But 
we did uh, experiment back and forth with with different items that we thought people might be interested in. And we've had customers request things as well, like, why don't you include this item? And we might try it out for a while. Um, but it's definitely, even even now, it's still kind of a, a guessing game that some things will get popular for certain times of the year and some things kind of fade away. Like they'll be really hot for a long time and then the interest kind of lags off. So, but I think it's easy to talk to any uh, Cincinnati and, and, and get them to name off maybe like their top most recognizable items from Cincinnati, <laughs> Cincinnati. So as I see here on the website, it's right now you just offer the three packages. So you, you don't mix and match. It's just pretty much just, just the, the certain boxes that, that you send. You get to customize the box. So we have like the three, the three sized boxes, but you go through and oh, choose what you would like in the box. Okay. And how many different items can you, can you choose from? That's interesting. I don't even know how many are on there right now. <laughs> we vary it so often that I, I would imagine there's close to 30 or, or 40 items that you can choose from. But I don't know how many are currently listed. And they do change and they get taken down and up, of course, as things are available as well. Okay. And are you able to send ice cream or is that cost prohibitive? Well, it's been requested a lot for sure. We know people are interested. For right now, we've decided against it primarily because of the storage and and the, sh- the dry shipping that it requires. But... We do always refer people that to graders. You can okay. they they will ship it for you, <laughs> but we don't do that right now. Okay, but you do like store the other stuff on site, or do you get it as you need it, or does that work? We store some things, but we um, are definitely limited on space, and so there are times when we're filling orders and we might not have just one item and we have to run out and go get it. <laughs> so we try oh. not to make it be like that, but it it's can be pretty unpredictable. Like I said, we often don't know what someone is going to want. I mean, that's the beauty of the boxes that it's customizable and we have certain items that pretty much people put in every box but and those are always in stock but it 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 really it'll be really surprising because one day um one of our items will sell 10 of them and the next and then not sell that particular item for a month and a half so it's just interesting it always seems like the same the customer's find the same item hot at the same time. I don't know if that's making sense. <laughs> that does. Because I was going to say, it's kind of like the t-shirt business. And Darren always says this. He just never knows. Sometimes we'll come up with an idea and we'll think, this is a slam dunk. We're going to sell a million of these things. And we don't. And then the opposite happens. This this design's okay. This people we, I mean, people will get this idea and we sell a million of them. Well, not a million. We wish yeah. a million, but we sell tons of them. And then there's other ones we do guess right on. And it's like, yeah, this is uh, like the one we just did this past week, the, the, the Dora maps of the where you could drink outside. We thought this is going to be a slam dunk. And so far 
hasn't done super well. Hopefully people will, as the weather warms up, they'll appeal to them. Go, go to the website and grab those kids. And yeah. on the opposite, I remember a couple when I was first working for the company part-time, uh, we had for the All-Star game, uh, speaking of food-related, uh, when Ariana Grande, she had licked a donut and she was going to come here and do the National Anthem and then they t- t- told her not to come. And then so Josh said, we're going to do a shirt called No Donut Liquors Allowed. And Darren, the other owner, was like, I don't know, that's the strongest idea. We couldn't, couldn't keep them on the shelves. So tons oh, really? and tons of them. Yeah, yeah. I remember standing outside Moorline at the stand with my daughter. We were working the, the stand. Sold tons of them. Walk the Moon came by and bought some. It was crazy. <laughs> so, awesome. so, yeah. So, it's like, like you're saying, you just never know what's going to resonate with people, even when it's something as tried and true as, you know, Cincinnati foods that people grew up with. It's just, right. yeah. Um, and so, speaking up, how familiar were you? with Cincinnati cuisine before you got here, kind of having been from Northwest Ohio and being sort of close, did you not really realize till you got here, like the variety and kind of the, the, the some of the regional favorites that seem to be unique to the area? No, I wouldn't say I knew, I knew a lot about it. I definitely had to experiment and learn through other Cincinnatians as well as just kind of going out and searching actively searching for things that are made in Cincinnati and then kind of trying to figure out how loyal people are to that brand. The, I, there were skylines in, there was one in Lima and there was one in, in Dayton as well, close to the campus. And I can't say I ever tried it prior to moving to Cincinnati and I wouldn't oh. have realized it was tied to Cincinnati. I don't think that's funny. so. Yeah. This has all been since we moved here prior to moving to Bermuda, everyone used to joke that my husband should run for the mayor of Cincinnati because he, when he moved here, he really fell in love with the city and he could not say enough good things about Cincinnati. He would talk about it all the time. He'd be naming off facts all the time <laughs> and, just everything. He loved Geta. He loved Skyline. He, you know, he loved all the chili restaurants. He loved hmm. anything that was Cincinnati. So he was always, my friends were always calling him the mayor of Cincinnati. So he, he experimented a lot with Cincinnati foods and, right. and, um, and all things Cincinnati. And so he really, he really indulged in the, in the culture of Cincinnati. So this business really was a natural for him. Yeah. Help spread the yeah, love. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Definitely. So, when is the first time you did try Cincinnati chili? I would hmm, I think I was at I was working professionally and it was a lunch break and we were at that downtown skyline. And I had to have my coworker order for me because I wasn't real sure how, what you did. And they told me you don't get a menu cuz I was <laughs> like well, where's the menu? And they were like, no, don't get a menu. That's embarrassing. <laughs> so they ordered for me. So did you but, know what to expect? Did they give you any kind of warning? Not really. I think of chili as chili soup with the beans and the meat. And so I was not expecting like the sauce. But then afterward, I enjoyed it. And afterwards, I kind of did some more of the background work on what that was. And it, and realized it's more comparable to like a Greek sauce yes. than a chili in my mind. And so I'm very specific with that when people do that I know visit Cincinnati and want to try it. 
what we're talking about when we say chili. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's it's called Cincinnati style chili or Cincinnati chili for a reason. When I was at Bowling Green, I've, I've told the story before. There was a there were a couple of food places inside our dorm, and one was it was a Cincinnati chili restaurant. And I just thought, oh, it's chili that just happens to be, come from Cincinnati. I had no idea what to expect. And I thought this is the worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. And when my wife had lived here for a while, she came, moved back up to Cleveland and we had started dating and she goes, Oh, we got, I got to take you to Skyline because they had a restaurant in Cleveland at the time. And I said, okay. And I tried it and I was like, oh, I knew a little more what to expect. And I kind of got it. I'm like, Oh, this is okay. But then I, be, once I moved here, I became obsessed. So, and mm-hmm. I think that that happens with a lot of people. And, um, I, you know, full disclosure, I also, uh, do social media community stuff for, uh, Gold Star. And yeah, the big complaint is transplants that move here, they don't get it right away. <laughs> and they're yeah. sometimes very angry about it. And uh, you have to explain to them, well, look, it's, you know, it's, it's like this, uh, folks. <laughs> yeah, you do have to explain it. And I think you might have to live here to love it. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, a, a buddy of mine from Scotland, he's like probably the biggest chili fan I know. And when he lived here, oh. they've since moved to Florida. But um, he still tries to find – we can only find Skyline um, down there in the grocery stores. Uh, Goldstar hasn't quite managed to get a distribution deal going where he can find it too. But uh, his he was on a big mission to go to every chili parlor, at least every brand of chili parlor, the, the chains, the couple of chains, and then every individual one that was different uh, with his sons. And I don't know if he accomplished that before he moved or not. Not. But uh, yeah, he, he properly likes Cincinnati chili, and he's from Scotland. This is a guy that eats pig stomachs, so or whatever haggis is. <laughs> That's what haggis is. Well, what was did did he name what his favorite restaurant was? You know what? I should probably ask him. I don't know. I got him. I know a, a guy that uh, out in California that, that works in television, and he emailed me once and said, "Hey, they're going to Pleasant. We're doing a show in Pleasant Ridge, Chili. He used to. It was a show called." food nation or i can't remember what it was called goes go go out there and you'll be on tv so i told my buddy about it too and he went out later in the afternoon and so we were all on this tv show and um i i guess but i never forgot to, i never got to ask brian what his favorite cincinnati chili was off the message him that and found folks on the other side of the interview i'll i'll tell you what he said uh he's a big <laughs> reds fan too he's soccer's favorite sport obviously celtic his team but big uh big reds and big baseball fan but um yeah mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have to find out like i I honestly can't tell a difference. I know people think they can. Josh, our, our one owner, is convinced he could, in a blind taste test, he could tell you a difference between, at least between the two big chains. And I'm like, there's no way on earth. In my head, Gold Star slightly spicier, but there's no way on earth I could tell the difference between any of the brands. They're all great. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have said the same thing about Gold Star. I feel like it has more spice. Yeah, just a little bit. But again, I, if yeah. you sent me next to him and taste this, Take a drink of water, taste the other one, which one's which, beats me. No. <laughs> I'll take exactly. a bowl of either. Thank you very much. I, uh, I did love Pleasant Ridge Chili when we lived there, though. I Oh, yeah. I, so nice. Very loyal. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link to the, uh, I think it's still, you can find it online somewhere, of, of us being on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's... Uh, and it's so interesting how there's so many – people think of the two big chains first, but it's interesting how many individual parlors there are uh, yeah. around town. Yeah. So what is what would be your favorite sort of uniquely Cincinnati food? I think it would take me a second to come up with a solid answer. But what, what do you – like if you had your one go-to Cincinnati-only type food, what would that be? Well, if you put chili the chili aside, I think that the Grippo's barbecue chips have a – 
a definitely a unique taste that is a fan favorite. And for me, that's one thing that we keep in stock. That's hard for me not to snack on, um, that and like the Dosher's taffies. I just think they remind me of my childhood. I don't know how often I even had them, but I know I always wanted them, always wanted to have those taffies around. And to me, I don't think, I don't feel like other brands of taffy are comparable to that, to the Dosher's taffy. So those are probably my two favorite, although neither one is probably technically a food. <laughs> They're both snacks. Well, still, yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, it's uniquely Cincinnati. It's a, a food's a food. Um, well, it's a shame you can't uh, get send Holtman's donuts to people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that would be survive. great, right? Yeah, that'd probably be my number one. And and they're a partner, so I can I feel confident in saying that uh, <laughs> as well. Um, I don't know if you've traveled to other cities, but just from like living in Cleveland and Pittsburgh like I have, and they're similar-sized cities, and I kind of hung out in Detroit and Columbus and other nearby cities, it seems even for a city as big as Chicago, Cincinnati seems to have more unique foods and food places, even for stuff that they have everywhere, like, you know, the bakeries. We have the two, Buskin and Cervati. Um, you know, we had Huff Bakeries in Cleveland, but there's, it seems to, there, this thing seems to be more iconic here. And I think kind of like what you alluded to earlier, people are very loyal to these things. Do you think that's the, the reason that some of these, even in industries where it's just a regular food everywhere else, that these kind of brands survive because of that, that loyalty? Yeah, that's definitely interesting thought. I, I would imagine it, it helps a lot. I I know when we're choosing even between like spaghetti sauces in the grocery store, I always lean towards the La Rosa's because I just know it's going to taste just a little bit more like what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if that's all a mental game or if I'm just dependent on it because I, because I know it and I love it. But yeah, that definitely, I'm sure that, I'm sure that does help significantly with the brands. Yeah, because I've had to sit down and make a list, particularly for Cleveland and Pittsburgh, where I live most besides Cincinnati, and made a list of like both iconic like restaurants and food places and unique foods. It would be a very short list for, I mean, if you can combine the two cities, it would be short in comparison to, to Cincinnati. And, uh, yeah, people really just not only like their unique foods, or like Geta and the chili and everything like that, but even just the, the, the La Rosa's and Cervati and, and Buskin and, and all that. Um, so how many like boxes a month do you guys roughly send out? Is it, or, or people, I would imagine there's people all over the country. It's a steady, cause people, when we're, I'm on, line with answering questions for gold star people are like where can i buy the chili can i have chili shipped to me i need chili shipped to me yeah i um it varies so much it's it's hard to answer that question we obviously are way busier in around the holidays it's a very popular holiday gift and we'll be working until 2 a.m packing those boxes granted Every year we go through the holiday season afterwards, we say we really need to get like an intern or someone in here to help us with this. We just suffer through it every year and then come to the other side and say, oh, it wasn't too bad. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we'll be super busy from November through December and shipping out over 100 boxes a day. Oh my gosh. And you get to the 
there's like a lull, like with every business, I think after the holidays, it significantly slows down and, you know, it's very hit or miss a lot of times in the, in the summertime or this, or this time of the year, even we'll have the larger companies sending out boxes to their clients or with COVID, we had a lot of companies that chose to send it to, you know, potential recruits who they couldn't bring to Cincinnati they were able to send them a piece of Cincinnati and say, these are some of the things you may have experienced if we were able to bring you here. I was going to ask. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, and then there are days in the middle of February where no one's really buying much of anything. And we're lucky to be shipping out five boxes, you know? So it it varies a lot throughout the year. Do you try and get more aggressive with your marketing at that that point and you know with the facebook ads or whatever or just posting and and things like that to try and drum up business well that definitely is another reason we talk about the you know a potential internship or partnership with a, a cincinnati school where we could help out a business major these are all my ideas on who would be good for this role because um my husband and i both have other obligations my husband works full-time. I work part-time. We've got three kids, you know, all the Cincy in a Box stuff is done in addition to all of that. Um, no one sits in a Cincy in a Box office and takes care of this stuff, you know? So last year, for sure, our marketing, we, we are, but we spent zero on marketing. We didn't even put a Facebook ad, you know, we did, we did nothing. So, Yes, upping the advertising would be ideal. Do we always have time to sit down and think about that? No. And so we, it's an opportunity. It's sitting there as a bigger opportunity. I just talked to someone today who was purchasing some corporate boxes and she had said to me, my friend told me about you guys and I'm really glad they did because the client's super excited about this. And the thought right there pops into my head, like, yeah, we really need to get back into the marketing side. We used to do a lot more advertising. You know, 2020 to me is what 2020 was. Everybody was having a hard time getting through that year and doing the best they could. We're in the same boat. We were just trying to get through 2020. And so the marketing kind of fell to the bottom of priority list and it's been sitting there. It needs to be, (laughs) it needs to be brought back up to where there would be a lot more potential for the company. Did you guys see an an uptick uh, at all during the pandemic or was it uh, more of a downward trend? Because we saw kind of an uptick and I would think maybe with the Cincy in a box thing, people looking for that comfort, maybe if they were away from Cincinnati and they had to, you know, order their food out anyway, be it from, uh, you know, the local grocery store or wherever, uh, maybe they would look to a place like Cincy in a box to get some of that comfort food. Uh, did that have an effect? Definitely. We, we did actually see a positive result from the pandemic. As you say, in personal, personal boxes that people sent to show support for, for people, um, those were pretty special. We would see Boxes sent to, you know, someone you knew in New York City who was working hard there or family members who couldn't come home for holidays or special events. As I mentioned before, corporate boxes with potential recruits that they couldn't bring to the city or clients that they hadn't been able to visit with. And so, yeah, it 
was giving people the opportunity to share some of the things that they love with the people they love and that they can't see, you know, so it did, we did see an uptick in sales and we were very appreciative of that. Also, just some of our customers are so sweet, like the thoughtfulness that they put into uh, sending some of these people gifts. It was really pulled at the heartstrings too. It was really sweet. Like people sending each other. uh, Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sending each other pick me ups, you know, like, you know, and it it would just always make me think how happy this person that gets it is going to be to read this message of love and just think about that someone's thinking about them because the whole thing was so isolating and humans don't like to be isolated. No, (laughs) that's what they keep telling us. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was special. It was a special time that I think I will remember as a, a good time for Sensita box, but it also was tough. It was hard to fill the orders because <laughs> there all the there were constraints on all all the businesses, and so it was hard to always get access to all the products that we needed. Oh yeah, and then the problem with getting everything shipped out because we had some difficulties there as well. And the we had yeah the postal service mm-hmm. was uh, we rely on them for most of our shipping, and so yeah that was tricky too. But I think overall, most customers began to understand that, you know, we're frustrated too. Like there's, and I'm sure you guys felt that too. There's literally nothing we can do once we hand it to the postal service. Exactly. And so we can go there every day and ask them what happened to that box, (laughs) but they don't have an answer either. And I know it's frustrating for the customers and I understand, like, especially around the holidays when you're hoping to have something sent to someone as a gift, it can be a really frustrating experience. I've been on the other side, but then you have, I think the expectation changes a little bit based on the way the rest of our society works with, for example, like with Amazon, where you can get things in like two days and they they have their own shipping service. So this is very reliable, but since in a box is nowhere near enough to have our own shipping. Well, and you know. I, yeah, and I would say that's allegedly. I think they kind of sucked us in on that whole you'll get it in 2 days thing and I'm like, "Okay, I expect your package in a week." I'm like, "Wait, wait a minute. You just said that it was going to be here in 2 days." So, yeah, I think we've kind of got rooked on that deal uh from yeah, Amazon. So. But um so uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is kind of being in the business you're in in this town, has it made you more adventurous to try other areas you know, when you travel to try other areas, cuisine, or were you always just naturally like that? I would not say I was naturally like that, but through my life experiences, I think that I have been op- more and more open to everything as as it's come into my world, I guess. My world started out so small in a small town in a community with a lot of likeness, uh, even down to religion. Everyone was the same religion in the town. They thought the same way. And the University of Dayton to me was a big step, but it's honestly not that big of a school, you know, in comparison to other universities. And so going from there and then we, my husband and I actually met working at Cedar Point and it was a program where you, you lived up there over the summer and you worked there 
the people that worked there were from all over the world. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed that before, but they'll have people, you know, from Poland and Russia and um, all these different countries. And so that's a whole new experience for me. And and then moving to Bermuda, Bermuda is, there's 60,000 people that that live on that island. There's 10,000 expats and most of them are not from the U.S. And there we met people from every continent except for Antarctica and so just every step I think I've taken in my life, it's opened me up to new new ideas and new thoughts. And I've loved it all. I I soak it all in. I love experiencing new things. I love meeting new people. I love um, trying new foods. I just, I mean, I, I love soaking in all the culture that this world has to offer. I think it's amazing. So what's next for Cincy in a Box? Uh, just keep on keeping on the tried and true what's been working. I know we had discussed a long time ago with you folks about maybe including T-shirts, but I guess that would kind of would be a uh, uh, difficult thing to to coordinate, although probably not impossible. Maybe we could do that down the road. But do, do other, other like non-food products that people uh, would sometimes want, maybe, you know, a postcard to throw in or, I don't know, some souvenir from, say, King's Island or one of the museums or anything like that? Or is it just – you think just strictly stick with food? Well, we are always open to it. We, again, it, it comes down to like the ability of sales and, mm-hmm. and what people want. We offer things like can koozies and, you know, souvenir shot glasses, keychains, stickers. Stickers are big. And so are koozies, mm-hmm. I can assure you. People love koozies. We were shocked. We, we, we took them to events one time just as, just as an experiment, and we sold right out of them. Yeah, I mean, and th- again, those are very seasonal for us, which makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, I do did a very big stock up on those in December, <laughs> and we're still holding them. But this summer, they'll probably be hard for us to keep in stock. And, you know, we've offered different items throughout our history I don't know. It's just so hard to explain because it's so hard to predict. You know, we'll we'll have an item. We'll only have 10 of them and and we'll hold them for maybe like seven months. No one will buy them. And then we'll get 20 orders for them. And we're like stuck because we only have 10. We can't find 10 more. Yep. (laughs) Been there. Um, (laughs) It's just so it's so strange. And I think like with your company, you guys offer such a wide variety of t-shirts. It's just a matter of like how we are able to supply that because, because like I'm describing, it's like all of a sudden we'll get an order for six of them and we need to fill it immediately because we like to turn the boxes around within, you know, 24 to 48 hours. So it's just, yeah, it's just a supply and, and predicting demand game, I guess. And we are always open to new and interesting things that people have suggested, you know, foods and 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 souvenir type items, I guess I would classify them as. Cool. But we do offer postcards. We will. So if you have a message, we will handwrite it. And then the postcard says Cincinnati. OK. Which, so it's kind of a cute Ooh, way but- Bicycle playing cards. Our, our friends at Bicycle. <laughs> yeah, we actually do offer playing cards. Oh, we used go. to offer these really cool playing cards that were 
they featured, I don't know if you knew this, I didn't know it before the cards. There's 52 neighborhoods in Cincinnati. And so each playing card actually had a different neighborhood featured on it. I did not know that. You know, we had the bicycle guys on, gosh, about a year and a half ago, and I don't know if they told us about that or not. That's fascinating. Yeah. And so we carried those cards for a long time, um, and we sold them pretty well. But I think it was a matter of, you know, 2020. 2020 happens. Yeah. The guy that was um, producing them, I think he kind of needed to take a break from it. And so... We'd be we'd be happy to have those back in the lineup because they were they were a cool unique item for sure. Definitely. So where can folks? I know it's Cincy in a box, just like it sounds online. Cincyinabox.com. You spell Cincy the correct way, like we do. Same way as Cincy shirts, but in a box.com. Uh, and so we can direct folks that way. Is social media platforms you'd like to promote? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. We have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram page. But it's really something you should probably look for more in the future. Okay. So just go to the website for now, basically, folks. Yeah. While it's there, there's not a ton of content being pushed out. Mm -hmm. You You might enjoy some of the... We did some videos maybe a year or two ago that were pretty fun where we would make like Skyline Dip or make... We did like... Uh, Grippo dipped chocolate chip. Oh, neat. Chip. Yeah. We made like a barbecue chicken out of the Montgomery Inn. And so those videos are pretty fun if you if you take time to look those up. Okay, um, great. So, but yeah. All right. Well, the last order of business is, um, I don't know if you've listened to the show before, but we let the guest pick a coupon code that'll be good at our stores for the next week while the podcast is up, while this particular episode is up. And you can use it to save 20% off your t-shirt order, either online or in our stores. So I ask you, Catherine Lawrence, what would you like the uh, coupon code to be for this week? Hmm. Interesting. Can we go Greek sauce? Oh, yeah, there you go. All right. Not not an easily guessable one. People have to listen to the whole episode to get to this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, Catherine, again, uh, thank you for uh, being on the show today and taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you, get, you have you know, a, a lot of other commitments. Um, we didn't mention your husband's name. What is your husband's name? Give him some props. It's Sean Lawrence. Sean Lawrence. There you go. All right, folks. We'll keep, keep up the good work. Uh, we'll have folks visit CincyInABox.com to send out uh, their Cincinnati food favorites to loved ones across the country. And um, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, sounds great. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Bye-bye. Bye. Catherine Lawrence. Find our friends at Cincy in a Box at CincyInABox.com. Simple as that. They're on all your social media channels as well. And uh, I had a choice between playout songs, either uh, this by World Party, the very fine Put the Message in the Box, or Living in a Box, which is kind of a rubbishy 80s tune. So I went with World Party, who are much, much better. In any case, do check out Cincy in a Box. I've used them before. Like I said, I sent uh, some stuff down to my dad, who's actually never lived in Cincinnati, but loves all the Cincinnati food. How about that? As, uh, as do a lot of people. You know, Oprah made Graders famous, and everybody talks about, you know, Skyline, of course, out of town, the collective name for Cincinnati chili, and they always show it on Monday Night Football. You know, 
of the show, making them at the stadium. Again, ironically, it's actually Gold Star they're making. Anyway, you get the point. Go to Cincy in a box and send your friends some Cincy care packages. Now, be sure to tell your friends and loved ones about this show, too, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state, just like those you would send your Cincy in a box packages to. And if you haven't already, check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench all the way back to actress Amy Yazbeck. Oh, we've just tons and tons of great episodes back there. Do go back and listen to them all if you haven't already. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. Find their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. I'm still trying to get that guy on the show, uh, the guy that wrote the theme song. He didn't write it to be our theme song. We just found it and we asked him, hey, we use this for our theme song if we promote you guys in every episode? And he said, sure. But um, he's kind of reluctant to appear on the show. I guess the pandemic is still kind of weighing on him. But we'll keep plugging away. Now, you can find vintage t-shirts from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, and a whole lot more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Uh, the usual collection that we have on Cincy shirts of the you know, defunct sports teams, old restaurants, old stores, old bars, malls, you name it, like Cincy shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Greek Sauce. All one word, all uppercase, all lowercase. Uh, that part doesn't matter. And uh, you can use that to take 20% off your entire Cincy shirt. Shirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. And as always, you can come in and use it in our brick-and-mortar stores, both Over the Rhine, reopened recently, and Hyde Park. And if you go to uh, the Over the Rhine store, I don't know if you know this, you can have shirts custom printed. How about that? So let's say you're going to, and it's from many of our sites, so let's say you're going to visit your friend in Philadelphia, and you're like, hey, I bet he'd like a Philadelphia Blazers t-shirt. That's one of their old hockey teams. You can say, hey, could you bring me a Philadelphia Blazers t-shirt? And they'll say, yes, we can. And you can take that shirt uh, on your trip to your friend and see him in Philadelphia and give him or her your shirt. All right, so there you go. So again, uh, Greek sauce is the code. Use it at oldschoolshirts.com, cincyshirts.com, or our two stores on Over the Ride in Hyde Park. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.